What's up, Braves Nation? This is the Ethos Braves Sports Podcast. I'm your host, John McKay, the redheaded crazy person. And on the other side is the lovely, the wise, Jeremy Bell. Jeremy, how's it going? Ah, it's going good. How's it going with you? It's going good. Weather's nice. The Braves are back. Yes. Um, My wife keeps asking me, there's no baseball on? I did watch, you know, Thursday night, there were a few games on. I watched a little bit of Yankees Astros for a little bit and then uh you know watched a little bit of the Giants Dodgers game uh so anyway uh you know this is a second half of the year although it's not really the second half of the year because the second right. half was you know we're already 80 we're already 90 something games in already so but as they classify you know they classify the second half of the year so I'm looking forward to it in a good matchup coming up Friday night you know the Angels and the Braves and I can't tell you how close we were to coming down uh for tonight's game just to see Shohei Otani pitch but Mike Trout's probably not going to play so those are the two guys I wanted to see but uh unfortunately I can't you know just take off and drive six hours and and then have to drive back so anyway I I, I wasn't wasn't able to make the uh, Friday night game but it'd be, it'd be great to see Shohei Otani pitch I think that would be wonderful well I'm sure me and my wife could make a spot for you in the house if you wanted to spend the night yeah, yeah, I know. I wish I could. Uh, you know, my kid was – he really likes Shoei Altani, too. He likes Mike Trout. He always has. And, and we saw Mike Trout play several years ago uh, up in Anaheim. And uh, so that and that was wonderful. Uh, but uh, you would love to see Otani, uh, you know, play and pitch and everything. So as long as he doesn't win, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, but, but he's going to be a tough opponent in Friday night's game. I mean, it's – uh, you know, sadly enough, as far as Otani goes, Otani and Trout are about it on that team. And, and um, so it, that's, that's a sad thing because those two guys are great players. And unfortunately, they just don't have uh, a mix of guys that they can get anything going and, and, you know, be in playoff contention for those two guys. Um, there's so many rumors swirling. Like, it's not even funny. There's rumors. I don't want to get into them, but I've just heard rumor mill, and the rumor mill's crazy. Well, the rumor mill is crazy. And one last night, that, or Thursday night, when I was watching the uh, Giants-Dodgers game, and, and um, I was watching – I was actually watching the ESPN guys, I guess. I wasn't watching the the Giants broadcasters or the Dodgers, whatever. And, and so they were – talking about all the crazy rumors, too, and that one that involved Juan Soto. You know, he turned down uh, 15 years, $440 million. Mm-hmm. Now, if you break that down, that's like $29 million a year. So, I mean, that's actually pretty reasonable in today's today's game, right. you know, to get a guy like that. But the one thing, and, and again, please don't hold me in any disregard, but I'm going to just give you my opinion. And if you know anything about what you've listened to, my opinion on this, that one of the things was what would happen if the Cardinals traded for him? And I'm, and so my son was, had just gotten home and he just got out of the shower. He'd been playing basketball. It's only like 900 degrees here in the state of Kentucky. Uh, and so he's out playing basketball. And, and so he comes in and, and, and uh, so he's out, out of the shower. And I said, he said, Hey, what are you talking about? And I said, what would happen if the Cardinals got uh, Juan Soto. I said, can you imagine how much more obnoxious they would be? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, don't, please don't, please don't think me bad. It's just, 
you know, that's just what I've, and their, look, their fan base is fabulous. He would, you know, certainly enjoy his time in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, usually a lot of times when you come to St. Louis, you don't want to leave because the fan base there is absolutely wonderful. Okay. You know, that if, if I was playing baseball and I had to play for a fan base, that would certainly be it. Uh, you know, it's kind of like Mark Cuban and the Dallas Mavericks, you know, he's mm-hmm. a great owner to play for, but that would just make it even worse, to be honest with you, if they got if they got Juan Soto. Uh, the the only problem is with Juan Soto is going to command uh, a haul. Basically, mm-hmm. you're going to have to give up a lot. And is it worth giving up that much uh, for a guy that you know you're you're probably going to resign? Uh, you're probably going to resign to a very high uh, high rate. Uh, to begin with, and a lot of these guys that sign these these deals that are, uh, you know, top dollar, you got to put guys around them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that's the problem. You know, in the NBA is the same thing. You know, my I love the Lakers, and the problem with LeBron being there is I, I don't want to call him the franchise killer because he does win championships. But the problem is most of the time he wants to bring in his guys. Mm-hmm. And that means you're trading away all the younger guys and you're trading away those draft picks to get better. And that's what the Lakers have been over the years. But you're also putting so much money into one or two or three players right. that you don't have anybody else around. And that's kind of what, you know, the Nationals, I mean, the, the, the Nationals got rid of those guys. The Marlins were always that way. You know, they'd bring in guys, they'd sign them, and then all of a sudden they go, oh, no, we can't pay them. we got to mm-hmm. send them away. Uh, and so, you know, the Yankees, when they were good during those World Series year, they always didn't – they didn't have those guys maybe that commanded top dollar. They had guys they brought up from the farm system, and then they just worked in guys around them, um, you know, worked in some veterans, you know, kind of like the Braves have done over the years. They brought in the veterans. When the Braves got really good back in the early 90s, they brought in guys like – when John Sherholtz first became GM – Obviously, he, he hired Bobby Cox, but he brought in guys like Sid Bream, Raphael Belliard, Otis Nixon, um, you know, guys like that. That's who he brought in. And, mm-hmm. and they, they, they weren't guys that are going to make, you know, $15, $20 million a year. Uh, they were guys that are going to make 5 or $6 million a year, and they were great defensively, and they were great clubhouse guys. And, 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 you know, put them together with some of the other, like the David Justice or the Ron Gantz on that team, and lo and behold, you got yourself a great team. And right. anyway, I, that's kind of the formula that you need. And, and, and it, you know, when you pay just one player, I always said Alex Rodriguez, hey, he's a great player. But the problem is if you pay him $25 million a year, what could you get? Uh, how many players could you get for that amount of money? And I always said you can get about five at the time. This was, you know, back, what, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, you could get five players. Right. You could get a couple of starting pitchers. You could get a reliever and two position players. I mean, wow. I mean, that's a big haul right there just for one guy. So, right. anyway. It's, but there's a lot of rumors out there. And I, I think it makes it even more intriguing coming up for the trade deadline. Um, I think it – I think it makes it. I think it makes it really worth watching more this year than it has in the past, just because there are guys out there that are looking 
that looking to leave. You know, the only guy's name that probably hasn't been mentioned of leaving is Kevin Durant. He doesn't play baseball. So, I mean, he's the <laughs> basketball guy, you know, but, but a lot of, a lot of people, you know, the Dodgers, uh, the Cardinals, the whoever, the Padres, those guys are interested in Juan Soto. But again, what's it going to take to get Juan Soto? And I'm curious to see what's it going to take to get Juan Soto. The Braves don't need him, by the way. Nope. So nope. we don't need to go after that guy. Um, Neil Bradley and Dave Winder just turned us off, by the way. They probably did. And it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. Again, I, you know, again, I'm, I don't, I mean that in no disrespect, but it'll just be worse. But then if you're the Cardinals though, if you're, and if you're any team, again, what are you giving up? And to be honest with what the Cardinals need is that guy that they never do go after. And that is a starting pitcher. Okay. Right. That's the guy they never go after. And I believe that there are some guys out there starting-wise that could help teams, but do they go after those guys? Mm-hmm. That's the key. And I think if you're going to look, even the team in our in the Braves division, the Mets, what are they going to do? Is Jacob DeGrom going to be ready? Had a little bit of a setback, although he threw 60 pitches, I believe, on Thursday or Wednesday or Thursday. So they're making sure he's okay. Is he going to have a setback? Is he going to be ready? What's the key? You know, what's the key there? So are they going to go after anybody? Uh, You know, and then when you go after somebody, when you bring somebody in, do they upset the apple cart, you know, in in the great clubhouse you have? Do they upset that when you bring them in thinking that they're going to be, you know, diva-like or whatever? So those are the things you have to worry about as a general manager. Uh, you know, Alex Anthopoulos, John Shurhoats, those guys have always done a great job of bringing in guys that fit and then that are team players. I was just looking over, the, you know, in my head, I'm, I'm probably missing some people, but the Mets are pretty set. Yes, I, I think so. But, but I, you know, but every, whatever, I think, I still think everybody's looking for the pitcher guy. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I think. Um, you know, everybody's looking for, for, uh, you know, that guy that's going to – that one guy that's going to put him over the top. And I think the Mets – honestly, the Mets still need that guy, that starter, because Max Scherzer's – gosh, he is, he's, he's warming up, you know, basically after missing a couple of months. He's just getting going. And so he's going to have a fresh arm. And DeGrom, if he could get in the rotation and get in a rhythm and get warmed up and not get hurt, He's going to be ready to go for the postseason. But well, are they going to be able to make it in the other places? You know, Pete Alonso was in the home run derby, and that was entertaining. He didn't do as well as what he has done. Right. But, um, you know, is he going to be tired? Uh, it, you know, it's same way with Ronald. Has Ronald found his swing? Uh, maybe. I'm hoping he has. Uh, because uh-huh. that's, you know, one thing that, you know, we thought might be uh, – he might help. And we hope he's found his swing. Didn't do so well in the home run derby, but, um, you know, and that's okay. But, but again, I think he's just kind of getting warmed up, honestly, just testing out that knee, making sure it's okay. Mm-hmm. So I hope that by, you know, by, you know, the next week or two or three or four, he's ready to go and getting warmed up. He's certainly not having the year that he, uh, you know, expects, but I didn't expect him to have this kind of year either right. uh, that, it, that he's had because of that knee. You know, Charlie Morton, you could ask him, 
you know, how was it when you first got back out there to pitch since you broke your leg? Right. You know, what did you have to do different? What did you have? What did you not? What did you do? What did you not do? So, you know, again, it's it's just feeling out. So, uh, I, I still advocate leaving Ronald in that number one spot, but but then again, you know, what's going to happen in the next uh, week? Uh, what's you know, who's going to be uh, that first domino to fall? And everybody thinks that obviously it is going to be um, Juan Soto getting traded. Who knows? Let's see. I think it'll be fun coming up. I think it will be, too. Um, you mentioned the home run derby. How much of it did you watch? I actually, you know, honestly enough, I actually watched the whole thing. Did you? Um, I think that's the first time in a long time that I've actually watched the whole thing. We were home, nothing going on. My wife um, was, you know, she was sitting reading a book and she was watching it in, in, in between times and and, you know, we were, um, you know, it, it was fun. It was actually entertaining. My son got home and watched a little bit of the end of it uh, so together. So it, it was fun watching. It was entertaining, uh, to say the least. And, you know, good for Albert Pujols making it uh, mm-hmm. to what, as far as he did. Um, you know, and then obviously Juan Soto winning, uh, winning it. And uh, he was not even the favorite. Pete Alonso was still the favorite trying to three-peat. But, but it was very entertaining. I was uh, quite pleased with, with how it was. But that's, again, that's the one that I want to go to. If I had a chance to go to the All-Star game, I would want to go to the Home Run Derby. Right. Because I think that is, the, that is the fun thing to go watch, definitely. So did you know that Julio Rodriguez got more money from getting second place in the Home yeah. Run Derby than his whole yeah, I Yeah, I had, I had laughed. I joked because I told my wife that he, he – you know, was making the minimum, uh, which is what that seven hundred and something thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. And if he wins the home run derby, he gets a million dollars, which is more than he's making. He almost he oh more than doubles, you know, his salary, mm-hmm. and he ends up with seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, which is good. So, uh, you know, a, a young kid, uh, he put on a show. I mean, wow. Uh, but what I thought was interesting was. And this is where I thought even Corey Seager had a great um, had a great run with what he got. The problem was the guy pitching to Julio Rodriguez is the guy that everybody needed because he was throwing Julio Rodriguez pitch after pitch after pitch after pitch. I mean, he was not letting him rest very much. And that's why he got 32 homers in the first round and 31 in the second round because he was throwing pitches. And you could tell at a certain point that Corey Seager wasn't going to get enough pitches thrown to him. Um, and at one point in the later, latter rounds, I counted, and it was about 40 pitches. And, and, and the, I think two guys, I think it was Rodriguez I counted, and then somebody else, and they each got about 40 pitches. So mm. they, they were at least, you know, on that regard. But when you get, when you get in those later rounds, obviously the guy throwing is going to get tired. The guy hitting is going to get tired. So uh, it's, you know, it's, but but he got a lot of pitches in that first round, and I think a lot of people were commenting on the fact that that Seager, even though he had 24, he wasn't going to get as many pitches as what Julio Rodriguez got. Right. I heard somebody was talking about Ronald's pitcher, uh, Acuna's pitcher, was throwing him like sliders and cutters and all of this. Stuff. Yeah, he was throwing him outside pitches. Yeah, he was throwing him lots of different things. So, um, you know, I was just glad Ronald got out of there without getting <laughs> injured. 
Yeah. Um, you know, and, and sometimes let's let's face it. Sometimes it depends. Depends. You know, they say Dodger Stadium sometimes hard to hit, mm-hmm. hard to hit in. Um, and and you know, and it, and it you had guys hitting out. I mean, those guys hit a lot of home runs. Uh, but sometimes Dodger Stadium's hard to hit. Um, you know, they were saying if you're a left-handed batter, you want to hit the ball down the right field line because it's you know you got that kind of wrap around there. Uh, and left-handed too, same thing. That's where you want to hit it. You want to pull. And Rodriguez was getting the ball inside, and he was turning on it and pulling it down the line and getting a lot of homers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Juan Soto kind of sprayed it around a little bit, and that's what Juan does. He sprays it around because he knows how to hit the ball the other way with right. power too. And so he sprayed it around, and and lo and behold, uh, you know he got some opposite field homers and and other things. So I mean it. it it was a good night. It was a it was a good night of, of uh, home run ball and uh, you know chicks dig the long ball, what they say, and and there <laughs> were a lot of a lot of good home runs and it, and it was fun. It was entertaining. Um, did you watch the All Star game? I watched, uh, yeah, bits and pieces of it. I didn't see the very beginning. Um, I was out. We were out roaming around. I had to go out and look at. Uh, some uh, some things uh, as far as my city council duties went, and so I went out went out so I didn't get back in time to watch the beginning of it. But uh, Clayton Kershaw, which I told you I thought he should have been the guy to start. You're out in L.A. Uh, and he got the start, and of course Ronald got on base. You know, first up they scored two runs. The National League does in the in the first inning, but the Na- the American League came back off Gonsolin off Gonsolin, the probably a, the the guy who deserved to start more than anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, they got out there and, and, uh, got three off of Gonsolin and lo and behold, it's three to two and that's what it stayed. So, uh, you know, it, it was a fun night and, uh, I didn't see Otani get picked off. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, wow, you know, really? Kersh- yeah, Otani got picked off. He got on base and then he got picked off by, by Kershaw. And again, Kershaw has always had the great lefty move that is always controversial. Um, mm-hmm. Because you never know if he's going to the to the home plate or if he's going to first base. It's just that leg. You just never know. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, and it's it, and hey, look, he takes advantage of it. He's just never been called for it. Um, but but he picked him off, and so thus ended you know the uh, American League's go at it in the first inning. But. Uh, you know, it looked like they had a lot of fun. You know, more inter- the more entertaining part of it, John, was not the actual game in itself. It was they had guys mic'd up. Oh, and they had yeah. they had a lot of guys mic'd up. Uh, at one point, Max Scherzer and Garrett Cole were mic'd up, and so those two guys were talking, and they were having a good time talking back and forth. And at one point, you had um, Trevino, the catcher for the for the Yankees and a pitcher for the Yankees mic'd up. And so you could, they were talking to them as they were, as they were pitching and and catching and stuff. And so you could hear what um, uh, Trevino was either the sign or he would ask, Hey, what do you want to throw? And he, you know, the pitcher would hold his glove up into his mouth and he would say, I want to cut her inside or something like that. So Mm -hmm. that was fun. That was more entertaining than the actual game itself. You had Aaron judge, you know, in, in right field and, and, um, you had, uh, well, who else, who else, somebody else is in left, uh, Stanton. Oh, sorry. It was Stanton. It was Giancarlo Stanton. He was in left 
and those two guys were joking, talk, talking back and forth, you know, and, and uh, <laughs> judges over there, hey, can you see me, you know, and over there having a big old time. So, um, and Stanton, you know, hit the homer that uh, I think ended up, you know, getting that whole three-run uh, inning started. So, uh, you know, it was fun. It was entertaining. That's what I think maybe made this game more unique than any of the others, mm-hmm. uh, just because you got a little better perspective of what went on in the game uh, and you got to know what, you know, what people were doing. You know, everybody knows everybody now, so there's not really much of a rivalry. You know, it's not American and National League. You know, you don't ever see these guys except at the All-Star break. You see these guys all the time because you're playing – yeah, you're playing each other. So it's not really much of a rivalry anymore. And those guys were having a good time. The Home Run Derby, they were having a great time. You know, it, it was it was fun. I mean, it, it was great. I, I didn't expect to watch it. I wasn't thinking about watching it, but then I did. <laughs> Excuse me. And I'm glad that I did uh, because uh, of the mic'd up part of it. I'm just being <laughs> honest. I didn't watch either one, so I'm a bad guy. <laughs> well, I don't I, – you know, I could have probably gone without doing it, uh, but we, we got – we, we were home, and, and um, the home run derby was going on. I thought, you know what, there's nothing else on. I might as well watch, and uh, you know, same with the All Star game, and and I was halfway paying attention to it in and out, and and uh, so, but but it was fun, it was entertaining, but again, the entertaining part of it, not necessarily the play on the field, was just the guys that were mic'd up, the guys you could hear, and that was the entertaining part of it. Since this is a Braves podcast, how did you think the Braves performed in the All Star game? Well, Acuna was good. Um, you know, Dansby and Austin. Uh, not so great. Uh, Darno and Contreras, you know, they just, you know, that neither they, you know, they they play. Uh, that was about it. Um, uh, so you know, you'd hope that they would have been able to do make something happen, but they didn't. Uh, and and that's okay. You're not, you know, again, all I can say is the guys came out of that unhurt. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Max Free didn't pitch, which is even better. And it appears. You know, uh, he may have some kind of, uh, you know, something that he's dealing with. He's going to get a little bit extra time off because, uh, you know, they're going to Charlie Morton first up in the rotation. Uh, they're going to kind of go with the back half of the rotation with, with Morton, Wright, and Anderson coming up uh, on the weekend series with the Angels. Mm-hmm. So, you know, both Max Free and Spencer Strider are going to get uh, about a week plus off, which is good. Uh, so I'm just glad that, that Max didn't pitch. And he got replaced on the all-star team anyway by somebody knowing that he wasn't going to pitch anyway. So ah. I'm glad of that. Uh, so maybe because we need him healthy down the stretch. Right. Uh, and, and this is the part where you're going to start seeing, um, you know, the, the contenders. Uh, you're going to start seeing those or you're going to start seeing the pretenders. Right. Either one. Right. And, you know, this is the part of the season where it's the dog days of summer and it's the stretch where you're going to start seeing teams get tired and start falling even more out of contention. Uh, and then trade deadline occurs and all of a sudden it's a whole different landscape. So, right. Yeah. Um, so when we last left you guys, the Braves were starting to or, or, or in the middle of a four game series for the Nationals. They end up winning that series three games to one. They they lost the last game of the series on Sunday. Um, I figured we'd just do a quick synopsis um, and then get into the Angel series. Sure. Uh, what did you think of the Braves overall in that series? 
Uh, I thought it was good. I was really kind of hoping that they would win that uh, Sunday game, uh, but they just, uh, you know, couldn't couldn't pull it out. They got runs. They scored, which was great. Uh, you know, Spencer Strider struggled in that um, in that Sunday game, uh, and you know, gave up five earned runs, which I don't know necessarily that that should have been given him five earned runs because if I believe that one point. There should have been maybe an error, which led to uh, a big inning that started, and so um, they they ended up giving. Of course, you're in the you're in the hometown uh, uh, scoring box. They ended up giving him. I think it's in that fourth inning. Ended up giving him a hit, which should have been an error, which should have canceled out those three runs. Oh no, it's in the second. I'm sorry. What am I looking at? It's in the second where they scored four runs. Should have canceled out those four runs on his regard, but uh, didn't pitch as great. Uh, you know, and, and again, you may be seeing the dog days of summer for him, but I thought overall, uh, it was a good series three out of four. I'll take it every time. Let me tell you, uh, they just weren't able to gain any game on the games on the Mets because they were playing the Cubs. Right. And you know, the Cubs aren't that great either. So, no. you know, overall, I thought it was a good going into the all-star break, but it's definitely one that hopefully, uh, they can build on. You know, you got the Angels. You're going to have the series with the Mets that's coming up uh, just after the trade deadline. Uh, So you're going to get prepared for that, and you're going to try to set yourself up. And I haven't looked that far ahead, and it may have been the reason that, um, you know, Snit put his rotation this way was to get uh, Max Free to be able to start the first game of the Mets series. That's maybe what he's looking at. So – so, so that's that's great. I'll take it. But um, again, uh, a good series. You win uh, three out of four. But that last game, it just seemed like couldn't get anything going, and you get to where you feel like you'd get close, and then the Na- and the Nationals would score more runs. And you didn't expect them to go by the wayside, and and but we were very successful uh, up in Washington, and um, you know, hey, we we come out of it fifty six and thirty eight you know, the first half of the year. And I'll definitely take that. They definitely were able to score some runs. Uh, pitching was good. Uh, you know, bullpen was good. Uh, batters were good. And, and overall, a good series. And, again, you lose one game, I'll take three out of four every single series. Exactly. Who stood out to you offensively overall? Give me a couple players that stood out to you. Um, well, you know, Dansby, another good, another good one. Uh, that Matt Olson guy still hitting the ball very, very well. Uh, that would be the other guy. You know, the pitchers were really good. Uh, you know, over that whole uh, series. Um, but, but I, I think Matt Olson just heating it up is what he's doing. Nice. Uh, and I, I think that would be my guy that I would definitely think would stand out. Although, you know, the the the, the pitching was good. Ian went five and a third on, uh, you know, the night he pitched. You know, I'll take that every single time. So, uh, but but I definitely think that it's Matt Olson who's 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 definitely um, got that bat red hot, uh, and and that's probably the unfortunate thing. He got his bat red hot, and then we went to the All Star break. Let's hope it comes back. Let's hope it comes back uh, hotter. Hot. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um. So, moving on to this Angel series, I'm excited because you don't see the Angels very much. Um, you don't. That's right. Yeah. Well, Trout is injured, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Yeah, he is. Um, he is going to be. Uh, he's on the injured list. 
uh, again. Uh, and so you hate that. And that's really kind of what may have made that decision of whether or not we wanted to come down and watch the game or not, other than the fact that my, my kid had something going on this weekend. But, but yeah, he's on the injured list once again. And, um, you know, uh, that's okay. Uh, but you get to see Shohei Otani, who mm-hmm. definitely uh, is, is worth the price of admission, and especially since he's going to pitch tonight as well. Uh, you know, that Friday night game, he opens up. And, uh, you know, 9-4 and four on the year with a 2.3 ADRA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Charlie Morton's going to be going uh, Friday night, 5-4, and 4.46 in that ERA, sliding down right. uh, ever so quickly. Um, Kyle Wright's going to pitch on Sunday – or Monday – my days are running together. Mm-hmm. On Saturday evening uh, against Sandoval and Wright at 11-4 and four, uh, with uh, just under three ERA and Sandoval three and five with a three ERA. And then Ian Anderson's going to go – on uh, Sunday at eight and five against uh, Detmers at two and three. Uh, so, um, you know, good pitching matchup, good for the Braves. Let's see if we can continue uh, the hot streak and the, you know, maybe Kyle Wright's the guy that should have made the all-star team. Mm-hmm. Um, he should have been, but I'm glad he didn't. And, and let's see if we can continue. Again, what I want to see is that Ian Anderson spot is, you know, let's throw to contact, let them hit. Um, and you know, you got a great defense out there, uh, but tonight's probably the matchup game. Um, and that is the one where you're, you want, um, you know, your, your best lineup out there. Cause that's Otani and Otani's a good lefty and, and you're going to probably see, uh, you know, all the righties thrown at him uh, mm-hmm. other than Matt Olson. Uh, so Arcia probably playing second base. Uh, you know, Duvall should be should be in the lineup as well. I haven't seen it yet, but Duvall should be in the lineup. Uh, you're probably going to find, um, you know, Ozuna on the uh, being the DH. So um, anyway, uh, tonight's tonight. Tonight's a pitching matchup, and I know it's uh, at least from what I've seen, it some you know tickets are hard to get, uh, and so it should be a packed house tonight. You know, Truist Park. Is Anthony Rendon, is he at third base for the Angels, or is he at He is, but I believe he is done for the year. Okay. Uh, if I recall, I believe he is on the uh, the uh, injured list as well. And so, but yes, he had been at third base, but I believe he's done for the year, if I saw that right. Now, I know Jared Walsh is on the uh, Angels, and you know. Uh, he is. The, the Georgia fans know that name very well. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you know, he started out having a great year. Uh, and has just struggled a little bit here of late, uh, but but yeah, he's the he's the guy that plays first base. So, yep. But um, but anyway, you know, Otani's going to be the guy everybody wants to come see. Oh yeah. Um, and and even my kid said, you know, hey, I want to show you Otani jersey. Uh, I'm like, oh okay. So <laughs> I'm okay with that. He's a good player. You know, nothing wrong with him. Definitely. Yeah. Well, that's. Pretty much all I had. Oh, wait. We have a surprise guest coming up later. Do we? Yeah. Adam Herbert, better known to Braves fans as Doc Herbert, joined me last uh-huh. night. And yeah. He joined me for a draft uh, talk, so we'll have yes. that coming up in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, I, I apologize for uh, not being able to join in on that. and and uh, But uh, but I know, uh, you know, Braves um, – with the draft, uh, looked pretty good. Picked up some guys, I think, that, uh, you know, definitely in the years to come 
uh, you know, to reload the farm system. And, and uh, you know, it's funny. Um, I, I usually just kind of halfway pay attention to the draft, but I actually watched some of it mm-hmm. uh, just because I was curious. And, you know, we had a kid from this area uh, who's, who's playing at Miss State. Uh, he Forsto? actually got drafted. Uh, pardon? Jackson Fristo or first? Yeah, Fristo. Played at Tillman. Uh, Paducah Tillman, which is just about uh, 45 miles from where where I live in uh, Paducah, and and uh, he got drafted in the 12th round by the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Uh, pitcher, um, but I think the name that, as far as in, uh, team anybody from this area that you're going to hear, as long as he's as long as he comes back, is is the the Justin West. Uh, yes. He's a he's a tall, what? lanky lefty. Uh, he uh, ended up leaving. Uh, not playing high school ball this past year, ended up graduating early uh, and is was a Louisville commit and is still there. Had Tommy John surgery, but oh, by the way, if you watch any of the draft, guess what the most, most mentioned thing was? Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what everybody talked about. Mm-hmm. Tommy John surgery. I heard that more times than I can count. And so he had it, and so he's going to be in Louisville, and I think that's the guy, as long, if he comes back like he was, that's the guy I think that could be, uh, you know, a, a, a big-time draft pick from this area. And we haven't had too many from this area go on to play uh, baseball. As a matter of fact, I played, when I was playing, uh, I played against a guy who, uh, Terry Shumpert was his name, and he actually made it to the majors, uh, not, not for the Rockies. I mm-hmm. uh, didn't get to play a whole lot. I got to play some, but but uh, still, you know, a guy. So you don't see many from my area. Now your area, you've seen a lot uh, in and around your area. So, yeah. um, but, but uh, I, Justin West, I remember him his junior season at Tillman. And oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, him he and, was good. He him and he hit. East were back. Yeah, in the you. It's funny because you had um, you had an East and a West going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it was great. Um, you know, the problem is that junior year at Tillman, they did not make um, the regionals, which nope. is what we have here. We have districts and we have regionals. You know, you win the first game of your district tournament, you automatically get into the regional tournament. Right. Uh, so they lost in the first round, the first game of the district tournament and didn't go. Nope. Uh, and so their head coach decided not to use neither um, east nor west, saving oh. them for that final game and ready to go into the regional tournament. And they didn't make it. But that year, they ended up winning the Class 2A. In the state of Kentucky, you got to realize we're a little weird and things. <laughs> we little? have way too many state tournaments. Uh, <laughs> so we have the one big main state tournament, and then we have a 1A and a 2A, which is kind of weird. But anyway, they ended up winning the 2A state championship that junior year. And that final game, he struck out 20 guys. Yes, I remember 20. that. 20. He pitched his max pitches and struck out 20 uh, and ended up winning the game. So so that's the kind of the speed that he has and the power that he has. And I think that's a guy that's going to go on to be a, a excellent player in the years to come. Well, Doc has got me excited about a couple of pitchers in the first round, the first couple of rounds. Uh, Owen Murphy has got a live arm. Yes. J.R. Ritchie's got a live arm. Um, yeah. Blake Burkhalter is a reliever that they're they're 
the Braves are planning on making into a starter coming out of Auburn. And you know, you know, he's from Auburn, so yes, SEC, so he, yes, it's competition. Yes. Well, you know, it was fun. What was fun to watch in the draft was um, I'm old. Okay, so uh, and now let me tell you why. Um, because the guys that I grew up watching, you know, like in. Like, I would feel really old if I was on the Toronto Blue Jays mm-hmm. because they have, you know, you have a Bichette. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a, a, a Biggio. You have a Guerrero Jr. All those guys I grew up watching, you know? <laughs> um, and then so now you've got uh, Matt Holiday's son uh, going, I believe, number one, which I think that was the surprise of the draft because everybody thought Andrew Jones' son was right. going to go number one in the draft. So Drew Jones went second, but was it was it four, three out of the four, four out of the five? Okay, here it was. Four out of the five picks were either sons of major league players or NFL players. Wow. Um, and and it was that's what was fun about watching the draft and just seeing you know the dads and and and. But then again, I was thinking, gosh, I'm old, you know. <laughs> I mean, just to, I remember watching those guys growing up, watching those guys, and then all of a sudden now their kids are playing, and I'm just old, old, old. But anyway, it was okay. I, I can't wait to watch them play. I mean, I think they're, you know, um, you know, the Padres with Fernando Tatis. Mm-hmm. You know, he was another one, and and uh, you know, so it anyway, it it's, it it should be fun to watch in the years to come, and I'm excited what the Braves got in the draft. Uh, I think it's. You know they've got some some guys that I believe can can certainly help and and uh, who makes it to the majors faster? Right. Uh, let's let's see. You know, let's see. It's, one more name I'll mention. Um, oh gosh, now the name is escaping me. He's a catcher um, out of Missouri State. Um, yeah. And the way Doc was talking, it kind of reminds me of a like a former catcher that I was. Um, a, a fan of? <clears throat> oh no, that that guy, that that Langoliers guy. Yeah, I don't think he's oh. quite that, but he kind of reminds yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Well, as I mean, as you well know, catcher is the guy that we seem to just not be able to hit on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Langoliers may, you know, if he goes somewhere else and does well, then yeah, that's great. But the problem is, we just can't keep him in our own farm system. Oh, he's um, doing well. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, he's doing really well. Yeah, um, you know, Bethancourt was supposed to be that guy, and then all of a sudden he didn't turn out that way. Um, and so we just – we never hit on a catcher. We hit on a lot of other things. And you know what? We I'm fine with hitting on a lot of other things and just bringing in the veteran catchers, uh, you know, over the years. Because mm-hmm. Darno, that find of Darno is great. Right. Uh, you know, and maybe William Contreras turns out that way too. Uh, so I, I'm fine with that. Let's keep bringing in the other guys and, and – and, we can deal with the catchers. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's about all I have. You got anything else? All right, John. I got nothing else, man. Let's have a good weekend, and, and it's going to be smoking hot here in the state of Kentucky, so I'd advise not to come here, that's for sure. Well, thank you guys for listening to the the podcast. You can check us out on the on the Twitters at the Blind Donkey Runner is me. Uh, the show is at Ethos Braves. You can find the wise Jeremy Bell on the Facebook. <laughs> That's right. That's uh, right. And you can find the show anywhere you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, any uh, podcasting app you find. Stay tuned for the draft uh, talk from me and Doc. And as always, go Braves. Go Braves.
up, Braves Nation? Welcome to the podcast. Adam Herbert, better known as Doc Herbert to Braves fans. Adam, how's it going? Going pretty well. How you doing? Pretty good. I've been wanting to talk to you on a podcast for a long time, so I'm glad I got finally got to get you on the podcast. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for reaching out. I'm really excited to talk some baseball. Awesome. So you are a draft expert, I've learned, uh, from listening to OFR. So that's why I asked you to come on here and uh, enlighten us, uh, Ethos Braves fans, on the draft coverage from the Braves this past weekend. Well, yeah, it was uh... – uh, first off, thanks for referring to me as a, as an expert. That might be a stretch, but uh, yeah, you know, this was uh, that was how you know there was a very long period where the Braves were not very good. So um, during that time, I really got into learning about prospects, and uh, that led me. So we were talking about what led you to following the draft before technical use. <laughs> yeah. So, so like I said, sorry, sorry if that was on me. So yeah, when when the Braves were really bad, there was a lot of talk about the future and. Um, you know, we just have to wait a little bit longer for for some of these guys that we were getting in trades for, you know, players we had loved like Jason Hayward and uh, Justin Upton and so on and so forth. And you know, we would get a couple of prospects at a time and in uh, trades like that. But the the biggest source of entry uh, for prospects was the international signing day and also during the draft. So um, around about the time that Mike Soroka and Austin Riley and AJ Mentor were were getting drafted is when I really started to get into it and. And that was seven years ago at this point, so it's still kind of a passion of mine. Awesome. I didn't really start start, start following the draft until I was started going to Rome games, and I started the, the first class I ever followed was the Shea Langoliers Braden Shoemaker class, <clears throat> and I, I fell in love with it. It's it's fun, right? Just you. Yeah. There's so many possibilities. Mm-hmm. There's millions of baseball players everywhere, and the the Braves are really good about. Um, doing their own thing and, and kind of going against industry consensus in some points and, uh, and saying, well, uh, Michael Harris is a, is a perfect example, right? Like so many teams wanted him as a pitcher and they, they said, no, we, we want you to be a hitter. And I mean, obviously that's, that's doing really well for them right now. So it's, right. it's just fascinating, fascinating how it all fits together and how it all works. And I'm a, I'm a huge high school sports nerd. So like, I love seeing the process, the, 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 propulsion of the athletes from the high school level to the college level and then the you know to the pro level so it's kind of the same thing with the draft they start off in like uh, augusta and then they get the rome and then mississippi and then their progress you know so yeah and and you you remember the first time like you see uh ian anderson come up in the draft if you go you back you go back to that very first draft and he was you know he was 17 18 Mm-hmm. You know, and now he now he's got the the big beard and he's starting to look like an actual man. You know, you tracked him for six years now. You know, so it's yeah, it's it's really cool to to see him go from uh, just follow him all the way through the system. I was actually in Rome for uh, she makes Braden she makes first home run, and that's kind of a thrill of mine. So, oh, cool, very cool. So let's dive into this year's draft. I I'll be honest, I don't know much about this class at all. Who who are your favorites? And we'll start with that. There is <clears throat> what the Braves did in the, the first three rounds, you know, they, they recently acquired a draft pick and that gave them a little bit of flexibility. So what they kind of did was they got three guys that were probably ranked very similarly to each other in uh, depending on what publication you read, they would probably be ranked within uh, 10 spots, 15 spots of each other. 
in Owen Murphy, J.R. Ritchie, and Cole Phillips. I really like the Cole Phillips pick because he he was the uh, the second rounder. He was touching 100 miles per hour. Uh, he's out of Texas. Uh, he is um, really just electric athlete. And now ever since the velocity on his uh, fastball went up, then it, it has up the effectiveness of his slider. He's getting better separation in the two. They look very similar coming out of his hand. He would have been a top 20 pick uh, probably if uh, if he hadn't gone down with Tommy John. So mm. any, anymore, you see a lot how um, Tommy John is not nearly as devastating as it once was. Athletes will come back and they, you know, multiple members of the Braves staff right now, Max Reed, uh, Spencer Strider, are, both mm. have, are, are victims of, of Tommy John and, and at the moment they're doing just fine. So right. I really like I really like that Phillips pick. And I, I really like the the J.R. Ritchie pick as well, the the compensation round pick. He's uh he's touched 98. He's he throws a lot of strikes. He was Gatorade player of the year in Washington. He's a, a cold weather arm. So he's not going to similar to Ian Anderson coming out of high school. He's not going to have the same mileage uh, on his arm. So all things considered. The farm system right now, it doesn't need to be amazing because you see all of the guys that are that are up, mm-hmm. um, that that, are, that were prospects a year or two ago, three years ago, and uh, and so now they can afford to kind of reset. So I really like the approach they took in kind of getting even prospects instead of getting one really good guy and two kind of okay guys because um, they can they can start kind of rebuilding, accumulating pitching, and and get the farm system back to a manageable point. Awesome. Um, are all three of these high school arms or any of these college arms? Uh, those those three are all high school arms. Okay. Now, Owen, Owen Murphy is from Illinois, correct? Yes. He also was Gatorade Player of the Year uh, in, in the state of Illinois. He's also, I'm assuming that's a cold, cold, cold weather arm as well. Uh, yeah, don't be don't be fooled by the fact that it gets to gets to be a hundred in the summer. You know, it's uh, it's still thirty well into well into April sometimes in certain parts of Illinois. So yeah, he he will be considered a bit of a cold cold weather arm too. Now, do these three uh, prospects do they prospect as a uh, bullpen arm or do, are they a starting rotation type pitcher? That is actually that is a really good question. I know that they're they're going to let them be uh, be starters for as long as they can. Um, I did read a little bit about Owen Murphy uh, maybe needing to – it seems strange to say this because he had really great numbers uh, while he was pitching in Illinois. Uh, but he had a .12 ERA, which is um, just out, <laughs> outstanding. Yeah. That's, yeah. I'm not much of an ERA guy, but that's really good. Yes. Um, so um, – could be could be some hurdles for him, you know. He of the three picks, and it's kind of kind of odd that they took him first out of the three uh, because of this. But he he might have the the farthest to go of the three. But he has really really good stuff. And this this is um you know there's no there's no guarantee that when he gets into this system that he might not take another step forward and and put any of those concerns to rest. But I think uh, that each of those three picks, as well as the fourth pick they got, Blake Burkhalter out of uh, Auburn. He was a reliever uh, while he while he was pitching um, at Auburn, but uh, they want to sc- stretch him out as a starter. So they got the three high school arms and one uh, really good college arm that they think uh, might be kind of like a Spencer Strider starter kit type. Now, how many are who's the lefty and who's the righty out of these four? They are all righties. The Braves did not take any left-handed pitchers in this draft, which oh, is wow. it's, it seems weird to say for them. Yeah. 
Um, where where do you think these guys prospect out of starting out in the minor leagues? Do you think Augusta, the FCL league, or you know that's a that's a really good question. I would I would assume um, that they will probably be. Um, they'll start stateside. They'll be it'll be FCL uh, this year at least. If if they if they do anything, they might just keep them in kind of like in a complex league just to to slow walk them. They've already had their high school years, um, but I would assume that starting in 2023 that they would all wind up starting in Augusta. That's kind of been um, that's been kind of the general track for. They, honestly, there haven't been a ton of high school arms recently, so. It's kind of kind of hard to to give a really long track record with that, but for the the limited um, track record they do have has been that start in a complex league or so and then move up to Augusta for the high school guys. The college got any of the college arms that they got. I would assume will probably start at Augusta this year and uh, and find their way to Rome probably next year. I got you. Um, being in the SEC, I, I don't I see him moving pretty fast. I, I think so too. The the strength of competition when you look at junior college guys, and the Braves took a considerable amount of junior college, community college guys in this draft. Um, you do kind of have to wonder about the level of competition. That 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 is one one thing that I do kind of take away from this draft is when you're looking at Murphy playing in Illinois, uh, Richie playing in Washington. Um, those are not as much like what you you always think of California and Georgia and you think of Texas so the Cole Phillips pick the competition there is going to be really really good too right and but but then when you start looking at at some of the the different um, junior college picks there there is some risk there Um, but for you're right for a guy like Burkhalter and his his stuff is is just nasty so yeah I think that uh, it'll it it depends on the ability to uh for him to convert to being a starter but yeah I I think that he is probably going to move relatively quickly sorry my dog's barking she's kind of angry about what's outside hey you you used to listen to platinum sombrero you know (laughs) you know (laughs) it was a rite of passage somebody's dog was going to bark during an episode exactly (laughs) I used to crack up and love it (laughs) awesome um so we've talked about the first four pitchers we the Braves took as uh, in their draft. Um, who excited you as a non-pitcher in the draft? So the next, the first two picks that they took on day two, they took a catcher out of Missouri State named Drake Baldwin, who super athletic catcher and he hits lefty as well, um, and. His his swing is just so pretty, and and I re- I really think that he he's the type of guy that is uh when you think of William Contreras, you know he he's a catcher, he has catcher mm-hmm. speed, but he's he's athletic, he's live, he moves like really smoothly, right? So right. it's a similar it's a similar thing for Baldwin to where you think of all of the guys that started out as catchers, like Bryce Harper was a catcher, Will Myers was a catcher, and then they kind of because of how athletic they are, they they move them around. A little bit, and it could be the same thing with Baldwin. Uh, he, he's he's really made some strides in his receiving behind the plate, but um, I really like the bat there. And then the next guy they took is a guy named David McCabe out of UNC Charlotte, I believe. So both of these guys are college bats from uh, kind of unheralded programs, but this guy is all power. This guy can hit and hit and hit, and he he's a power threat. And usually 
when when we take uh, we when the Braves have taken players that are like big power, it's usually deeper in drafts. I mean, this is a fourth round pick. This is somebody that they are planning on giving a decent amount of money money to. I would imagine. Um, and he hit 30 home runs in 96 college games. Yeah. So that's, yeah. So this is somebody that's going to be a threat to go deep at any time. Uh, maybe he's a liability with the glove, but you're really getting the bat anyway. Those are the two guys that really stood out for me as being really uh, high upside bats. And they, they took some, some gambles in, in the late rounds. Um, and Kevin Kilpatrick in the 17th round kind of tooled up athlete outfielder, um, from a, from a junior college as well, uh, very fast. He's a seventy runner, and uh, and he's also got some projection for some power as well. So, a uh, deep cut pick there, but I, I like him. Awesome. Now, Missouri State. You know, I know the uh, the Missouri Valley doesn't sound like a big tough conference, but they have that. That's a pretty tough conference with uh, you know Dallas Baptist. Missouri State was impressive this year. Um, Illinois or uh, SIU was pretty good. So. I, you know, don't don't sleep on the Missouri Valley. No doubt. I mean, Dallas Baptist is a fantastic baseball program. And last year, the the third round pick was Dylan Dodd. He was a senior sign, and he's he is actually he just got promoted from Rome up to Mississippi. But he has been lights out this year. He and he was from uh, from Missouri State as well. So a little bit of a connection there. And and yeah, it's this scouting department. Even even with the risk, we were just talking about levels of competition. Even when you've got that risk, this scouting department has proven really, really adept at finding those guys that are going to perform anywhere. So, uh, so yeah, don't don't sleep on the conference and, and the uh, also the Braves scouting department's ability to get something really good out of those guys. You remember uh, Bryce Ball was out of Dallas Baptist as well. That's right, he was, and he was one of those big power bats that we were that we were just talking about. So, yeah, I mean, the, and uh, who was in Jamison Hanna, who was uh, I think he got drafted by Oakland. He was he played at Dallas Baptist, and he was just a he was a great prospect while he was there. Um, fans will know that I'm a huge Murray State fan, and they're moving to the Missouri Valley, so I got to watch out for that conference. <laughs> See, there, there you go. You'll you'll be doing the draft preview next year from from whoever's uh, playing in the Missouri Valley. <laughs> um. Any more standouts to you from this draft or pitchers, um, arms, you know? So I, I brought this up on, on the OFR podcast, but it, it was I'm going to bring it up again because it's really fascinating to me. There, It seems like more so than in any other draft I can remember that there's specific standout pitches for certain guys. Mm-hmm. Blake Burkhalter has a, a cutter that like an AJ Mentor level cutter. It's nice. really, really just killer. Uh, but it's coming from the right side of the plate. Seth Keller, who was a sixth rounder, he has got a really, really good split change. And he he was here's a recurring theme for you: Gatorade Player of the Year in Virginia. <laughs> so, um, and he's he's um, kind of fascinating too but it's that split change that's going to carry him he's he much like everybody else the fastball is going to be the big one you know he's probably 92 to 95 but the split change is where he's going to make his money uh adam meyer who is a guy they took in the seventh round also fascinating dealt with a lot of injuries he's he's an upside play if they can keep him healthy but his slider is one of those that um it's similar to adam on at least what i saw where it just Dot. It's like the Bugs Bunny thing where it's just going, 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 and just completely changes direction. So uh, there's been a really big emphasis on on that type of pitch this year for me. 
in previous years, like it was Jared Schuster's changeup or Strider's curveball, Carter Stewart's curveball many years ago. I think that was the year before uh, you said that you started paying attention to the draft, but it was um, like major league ready spin rate on his curveball coming out of high school. Um, but yeah, I, I really like the, the Seth Keller pick. There's also a guy uh, that they took in the 11th round out of New Mexico State. His name is Ian Mejia. Mm-hmm. And uh, he can touch 97, but he, he kind of falls in that same uh, – that category of, of being scouted off a of one pitch because his slider is in the low 90s, and it's a really, really hard slider. And so it could pair really well. I don't know uh, what he's got as far as a third pitch, but just right there, that's a, a good way to start as a reliever. And, uh, and, he, and since he's a college guy – um, and he, he pitched some in the, uh, the Pac-12, I think, or Pac-10. Um, I think that, uh, that he could be another, maybe a slightly more aggressive placement. Maybe he starts at Augusta this year, but could kind of move quickly if they want to develop him as a reliever. Now, as a Georgia fan, I do have to ask, what do you think of the Corey Acton? You know, Corey, Corey Acton is, is going to be somebody who fills a long line of, uh, like, kind of undersized – just scrappy middle infielders. Like, uh, they always make me think of Lenny Dykstra, uh, just not, you know, like a criminal. Um, I, oh. I like the pick. I kind of I kind of like the fact that they, they got somebody that's close to home. And it's also somebody that we talked about, Auburn being a power conference. You know, he played at Florida and then transferred to Georgia. So he's been – he's done some time in the SEC. Good field to hit. I hope I hope he sticks. You know, it, it can be kind of hard for some of the, the undersized guys. But I, I hope – I hope he sticks. Um, going back to Drake uh, Baldwin, does he remind you any of uh, Shay Langoliers? You know, Langoliers was such a – he was arm first. The fact that he's hitting the way that he that he stepped forward last year and then uh, he's continued that ever since he went to Oakland was just kind of a bonus. He was really drafting the glove uh, with, with Langoliers. And with Baldwin, you know, he it's it's actually kind of flip flop for him because like the the bat is um, the bat is going to play anywhere you take him, but he he's he wants to be like the Langoliers type receiver, and you know the the arm is going to be the standout tool for him. But you know, just being able to kind of get himself game ready and or not game ready, but be uh, able to uh, endure the rigors of the position day in and day out, I think is going to be something that, that Baldwin may or may not even have to be, even with the strides he has made. I think that he's, uh, he's going to lag behind Langoliers on defense a little bit, but if, if he can uh, get himself to the point where he's calling his own games, that's going to be a, a big change for him as he, as he continues through, uh, continues through the system. But yeah, I mean, I think he can, he can approach it. Sure. Um, as a college catcher, do you see him starting at uh, SCL or do you see him going straight to Augusta? I would assume that he would go to Augusta. There's a guy that's playing there now named Adam Zabrowski, who was a uh, later round pick last year. Um, big power guy, but not not a ton of field to hit. But if if they feel like Zabrowski is um, ready to bump up to Rome, then they they might cause a they might start a chain reaction, uh, do that to clear a spot for Baldwin, or maybe since uh, it's a lefty righty, uh, you know, uh, Baldwin hitting from the left side of the plate, they might choose to do a platoon there. Well, there's I know there's Tolve and um, uh, is Valdez Javier Valdez? Uh, yes, Valdez is. They're both at Rome. Are at Rome. I know Tolve's doing pretty well from what I can tell. 
Yeah, I think so. And he was a college guy too. I think he went to Kennesaw State. So he's That's somebody right. that age-wise is going to be a little more, um, a little more advanced. So he might be. Maybe they decide that he's ready to to bump up to Mississippi, and then they decide what to do with Hendrick Clementina. Yeah, he's he's a beast too. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. That um, hit. He can. Um. So, is there anything else you want to add to this before we get out of here? You know, just I think I think that for the interesting thing about this scouting department is that every year they they seem to kind of change up their approach. You know, one year they're going to go college heavy. Uh, or college bat heavy, like the year they took Langoliers and Shoemake, and then a couple years later, they're all in on high school pitching. Mm-hmm. And and there's always uh, this goes back to the Brian Bridges era. One of the my favorite episodes we ever did of TPS was when we got to interview the Brazel uh, scouting director Brian Bridges. That was awesome. Kind of, oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and just just the nicest guy, you know. And we were like, hey, can we get like 15 minutes? He's like, do you want 45 instead? We're like, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, and he and he talked about that. He's like, you can't get blood out of a stone. You know, if the if the draft is offering high school pitching as a strength, Mm -hmm. then you take it, you know, and and maybe, you know, you always take the best athlete. But at the same time, you you can't force it. You really have to just kind of take what the draft offers. And um, and I think that's what they did this year. And based on where the farm system is they needed to inject some talent. They needed to take some some gambles on upside and even though this may not – they'll probably still be ranked among the worst farm systems in baseball, which at the moment is, is fine, especially in the wake of Strider and, and Harris um, graduating off of that list, right? So um, I think that what you're going to start to see is a, a concerted effort to rebuild rebuild the farm system, and there's no better way to do it in, in this draft. So I think I would count on Murphy, Richie, Phillips, and um, – pro- also, Burkhalter uh, being in the somewhere – let me put a caveat on this. If the Blake Burkhalter starting experiment works, then I think that you, you could take those top four guys and you put them in your top 10, top 15 in the system um, pretty comfortably. And, uh, and any of the other guys, if they hit, then, you know, it's, it kind of just becomes a bonus in there. I'm, I'm very intrigued by this David McCabe fella. I want to see what he, can, what he can do with the bat to see kind of where he ranks. But all things considered – you can't really judge a draft for a few years, but well, we're in the same uh, same week. You know, it just finished yesterday, so I, I I don't know what grade I would put on it, but I will give them a thumbs up, a gold star, and a happy face on their chart. Okay, um, I will, I do have to ask who was the last pick, and what do you think of him? Uh, Keyshawn Ogans is a shortstop out of Cal, and uh, you know, college shortstops are. Some of them struggle. Even even some of the best ones struggle to to adapt to the next level. Same thing though. Pa- playing at a pretty good conference uh, out west, playing at Cal, that's a really good baseball program. And uh, you know, somebody that'll probably find themselves in Augusta, maybe Rome next year, and and we'll just kind of have to see see how it goes. Awesome. Um, unfortunately, Cam Shepard retired. I was excited for him, but yeah, oh, it's shortstop. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and th- and that's kind of some it, it's a similar thing for for like college quarterbacks right like some of them really just seem like they're gonna I always come back to Jason White from Oklahoma and I'm not even a even a college football guy but it was like this guy was lights out Heisman winner right and then never could figure it out at the next level David Green Tim Tebow you know right, you you, right. you look some of some of the some of the great ones just no matter how good they are in college they just can't make it or even as good as prospects so I mean it it, it really shows you how 
you know, talent, talent's great. Talent will get you very far, but you need, you got to be really good and you got to be really lucky in some cases too. So, um, you know, Cam Shepard was a guy that was really, uh, Andy and Matt referred to him as a glue guy. And, and, and there's some value in that, but you got to have talent too. And unfortunately he had more glue than he had pop in the bat. Well, uh, you mentioned quarterback. Jake Fromm was one of those too. You think he would be outstanding as a first quarterback and he's third on the depth chart somewhere? Yeah, it's it's hard, man. <laughs> being, being the best is hard. Well, Doc, I've really enjoyed talking to you and getting your perspective on the draft. And we'll have to have you back on the podcast later in the season to talk more about Bray and what's going on. Hey, I, thank you so much for having me. I have had a blast. And, uh, yeah, I would love to come back whenever you'll have me.